Remain standing. We'll read the Word of God while you're on your feet here for just a moment. Amen. Hey, thank you, choir. Uh, John, somebody asked you this week how many you had in choir this week. Tell me you had this many right here. Right, amen. That's good. Praise the Lord. Hey, we're in Acts 6. In a moment, we'll begin reading in verse 1 and read through verse number 7, the message that I've entitled, A Healthy Congregation. A Healthy Congregation. We're going to look together uh, at this text this morning. We're preaching in the book of Acts, and so uh, I encourage you. Now, listen to me. If you're in this room today and you've never joined this church, this message is just for you. And if God would have you to be a part of this family like many did uh, at early church today, then you come and put your life, uh, your membership in the body life of this church. You have to know Jesus and have been baptized by immersion. Those are the two prerequisites to come to uh, this place and live in your life uh, under the umbrella of the Lordship of Christ. And, I'm going to invite you to come do that. And there's some people here who need to join this family, this congregation, uh, this morning, because you're going to help us be that healthy people that God wants us to be. We're in Acts chapter 6. I'll begin reading in verse number 1, read through verse 7. You follow along as I read, because this now is the word of our great God. Now, this time, while the disciples were increasing in number. A complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So the twelve summoned the congregation, there's our word, the congregation of the disciples and said, it's not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. The statement found approval with the whole congregation. There's our word again. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. And these they brought before the apostles. After praying, they laid their hands on them. The word of God kept on spreading, and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were being obedient to the faith. Father, I pray that you would anoint the preaching of your word I pray that you would sprinkle the blood of Jesus across this place that we might hear all that you have for us to hear today. Thank you for what you've done on this campus already this morning. And we thank you that you never stop. You never stop. You never stop. Thank you for being our good God. And we trust you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you. And be seated, please. There's never been a greater day than the year 2022 when the church needs both reformation and revival. Reformation is a restoration of pure doctrine, and revival is a restoration of Holy Spirit life. We need both of those things in the life of the church in the year in which we live. We need reformation, pure doctrine. We need revival in spirit-filled living. We need the Word and the Spirit. My mentor, Dr. Stephen Oldford, used to say it this way. If you have only the Word, 
your church will dry up. If you have only the Spirit, your church will blow up. But if you have the Word and the Spirit, he used to say your church will grow up. Amen. And we need that in our life today. We need reformation, pure doctrine, revival of Spirit living. In Acts 6, this young early congregation, you find that word in verse 2, congregation. Verse 5, congregation. The root word of congregation is plethora. It's the fullness. When, when all the people, not just the leaders or this group or that, but the plethora, the whole group, when all the people of God, the congregation came together, they were growing in number and they were growing in challenges and it became time to organize the young early church. Now be very careful. Organization can put a church on the road to ritual and deadness. But a lack of any organization will lead to wildfire and chaos. Therefore, you need both word and spirit. They had issues in this church, and everything that's alive has issues. Uh, I thought of a sign I saw on the side of the road when I read this text. And our church is like fudge, it's sweet, but it has a few nuts in it, all right? Amen. Yeah, every church, it's alive is that way. There's a sweetness, but there's a few nuts thrown in every now and then. Well, there were a few nuts thrown in in this early church. But 1 Corinthians 14, 40, Paul said, to the most troubled church in the Bible, Corinth, he said in 1 Corinthians 14, 40, you should do everything properly and in order, decently and in orderliness. There needs to be an order about the church. There, there needs to be a proper etiquette in the church. And yet at the same time, there needs to be this dynamic of the Holy Ghost within the life of the church. It is a balance, but we are to be decent, proper, and in order, and ordered by the Word of God and the Spirit of God. We are to be a healthy congregation. And so I want us to look at what marks the healthy congregation, sing a hymn of appeal, and invite you, as I've already said, some of you ought to join this church today. I want you to get up out of your seat, walk right here, and take me by the hand. Give me your hand, God, your heart, and be a part of Olive, or go yonder to those uh, next step tables out in the foyer, link your life uh, with our church. Uh, several that came this morning saying, Pastor, today's our day. We'll be a part in early church. Maybe you're one of those today in that balcony around those ground floor. You ought to put your life into the body life of the church. You need to be saved and baptized and live under the Lordship of Christ to come into the body life of the church. You don't have to be perfect, but we invite you to come and be a part of the bride of Christ here as a local congregation at Olive. What marks a healthy congregation? Well, first of all, a healthy congregation faces challenges in the body. Uh, everything that's alive has issues. And every church that's alive has challenges. Churches without challenges are dead. Dead. The devil doesn't get after a dead church. 
He only gets after one that's alive in doing something with the gospel. And with that, the church will always face challenges. They did right here in verse number one. There was a complaint that arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Jews. There were those of a Greek background that were Jews, and then there were those of the native country uh, that were Jews, and they didn't always get along, the Greeks and the natives, as they came together. But the widows of this group, uh, there was a complaint that arose. There was a murmuring is the word there. Th this is a great, great word to look at. Uh, I met two people going out of church this morning who uh, I, I asked him, what do they do? One man said, I'm, uh, I'm in the Navy, and I, I am a linguist. I said, what language do you speak? He said, I speak Farsi. I said, well, good. I speak Alabama. <laughs> and then another young lady came through, and I was talking to her, and, and I said, what do you study? She said, I am learning Japanese. I said, wonderful. I speak Alabama. But this Greek word is such an interesting word, I want you to learn it. Here's the way you pronounce that word, complaint or murmur or grumble. The first part of the word is the word gong. You remember the gong show, G-O-N-G? The second half of the word is good, and then it has a suffix on the end, gongudzo. Gong goodzo. Gong goodzo. Try that one time. Say it with me. La, 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 la. Gong goodzo. I believe that every church has gong goodzites in it. Don't be a gong goodzite, a complainer, a bellyacher. Be a problem solver. The complainer rose. The gong goodzo came. And the Greeks said, listen, the, the, the natives, they're taking care of them, but they're not taking care of our widows. And so there was a murmuring and a difficulty within the church. And the 12 came, the apostles, the 12 came and said to the church, you select them. You select seven people, seven men. You get these seven and put them in charge of that. Notice what they said about these seven. They said in verse 3, therefore you, the 12 came and said, you select seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Ghost, of wisdom that we can put in charge of this tax, of this task. These were not deacons as we know them as such today, but it was the forerunner of the deacon office that we find in 1 Timothy. They fit every bit of it. They become servants. The 12 said, we don't have time to do all of this. You, the congregation, all of you, you select, we'll select deacons. The whole congregation will. We'll do that in December. By the way, don't miss church here in December. I'm telling you, there's some stuff coming in December you don't want to miss. There are things I can't tell you now that are going to happen early in December that because I get to be the pastor I am privy to that you're going to get blessed by. And then we're going to select deacons along the way and all of us have a part in doing that who did they select they selected Stephen and Philip and five other men with names that are hard to pronounce and they selected these seven and said about them they have a good reputation these men were put out there that when they stood in Jerusalem people would say that's a great man 
But not only is he a good man, he was a holy man because he was full of the Holy Spirit, and he was wise, he knew how to do things, and he could get it done. He was a doer. This is congregational government. That's why we all need to be a part. That's why you need to participate. You, you need to be a part of the church. In verse number five, the seven are named. They had those Greek names. Why did they have Greek names? Because the perceived problem was is that the Greek background Jewish ladies were not being taken care of. So when they selected the seven, they selected from the side of the problem so they could solve it. Such wisdom that they had in the New Testament church. There in the congregation. And these seven were put in charge of that. You know how many times a leader, I've counted this, you know how many times a leader is found in the New Testament, not the Old, and many, many, many other words, and many uh, more words in the Old Testament, of course, than there are in the New. But in the New Testament, the word leader is found nine times. You know how many times servant is found? Fifty-one. So what's the church need? Both, yes, amen. But if we're going to be out of balance, we ought to get out of balance on serving rather than leading. Have you ever noticed the church has a lot of leadership conferences, but she doesn't have many service conferences? I think we're goofing up. We need a church. We need a church, congregate, teach people how to serve. How to get you. I wish you could have just been around here all week. This has been one busy place called Olive Baptist Church this weekend. All week long, we had jam camp, and then Friday night, there were kids. I, I mean, there was kids everywhere. I, I don't know. I think some of them didn't even get picked up. They stayed here all weekend. I, I'm not even sure they didn't spend the night in here. They, they were ever under the pew. They were, those kids were everywhere. Well, well, oh, it was such a glorious, glorious good time. You, you heard Caitlin singing uh, right here. Did, you know, Caitlin was third in line to do this solo today. We had a lady set up to do it. She got sick. We had a, a, a John got word and then had somebody, and then they didn't feel well, and so they just threw that on Caitlin. Right? I thought she did pretty good for the third one. Amen. And uh, she, she just stepped right into that. That's called service. I'm here to serve. There were people all over this place serving in that jam camp. And then yesterday, we had two funerals in this place. There were many, many, many people here. Maybe you saw the... Uh, news article from two weeks ago when the little girl two years old was accidentally shot and killed in a hotel room here in town they came and asked us if we would host that funeral guy left there was a gun little boy got it out was playing with a gun it went off bullet went through her killed her and shot her sister sister wound up being okay but the little girl died so we met with them we said we'll help you any way we can they wanted to have a funeral pretty large crowd they came, and, and they said, oh, well, by the way, Pastor, would you preach the funeral? I don't even know these people. I said, if you'd like me to, I will. And so I, I preached here yesterday. We went out to the cemetery. That little casket, I wish you could have seen it, just about this long. It was her second birthday, the day we buried her. We went out to the gravesite. We sang happy birthday around the casket there at cemetery. Oh, it was a tough day. How did we get that done? Volunteers came. There were servants. They, they were everywhere at every door doing everything. And then Brother Sean had a funeral at 4.30 uh, for one of our ladies uh, here yesterday afternoon. We had to do all that. And then, of course, just everything that goes on uh, on Sunday morning. You see these flowers are over here. Do you think they just magically appear and, and are there? Do you think they're just there? That's the way it happened today. Because we had a couple, it was her 50th wedding anniversary, and when I got up to give, then I said, and they're 
there were no flowers. Because Glenn Best, who is in charge of that, is on vacation, and he took care of everything he was supposed to take care of except getting somebody to put those flowers where they're supposed to be. So, Glenn, if you're watching online today, <laughs> he's the best. I tell you, he's the best. He had Rob stepping in, get up. But, we, you know, every time, you, sometimes you miss it. But you know what happened? Two of the folks saw me looking at that box and there wasn't anything there. What did they do? They didn't complain. They jumped up, ran out, knew where the flowers were in the flower room, brought them in here. And when I prayed and then announced the 50th anniversary, they magically appeared on the box. There they were. Amen. How'd that happen? Somebody got their hands dirty. What I'm telling you is service, service, service is how you fix gongudzo. You serve one another. And we need servants all over this place. Thank God for those that serve and get their hands dirty here at a place, a congregation that we simply call Olive. A healthy congregation will face its challenge. You don't ignore the challenge. You don't say it doesn't exist. You, you get after it and you solve the issue by putting godly, wise, get it done kind of people in charge of those things. Secondly, I want you to know that a healthy congregation, while they face the challenges in the body, a healthy congregation prioritizes prayer and preaching. Now, notice in this text we read there are two numbers, 7 and 12. 12 and 7. The 12 are the 12 apostles. These are the fathers of the church. And the 12 said to the congregation, you pick seven. We'll not do this. They could have done it, but to do it, they would have had to left their primary service to do another service. Now, one's not more important than the other. You just need assignments to be made. And the seven serve tables and the twelve serve truth. The seven serve the tables of the widows and the twelve serve the truth of the Word of God. Notice it right here in verse number five. We will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. Because in verse two they said it's not desirable for us to neglect the Word of God in order to serve tables, but put seven in charge of that and we will then serve the congregation. Oh, dear friend, if there's ever been a day we needed the Word of God, it, it is today. We need the Word and the Spirit. We need the Word to be taught from pulpit to pulpit and stand to stand, class to class, group to group in this church. When I grew up and when my parents really grew up, you could have said about America, it was a, a culture of, of, of Christianity. It was a Christian culture. Uh, just everybody knew the gospel. If you went to Washington, D.C. in the 40s and 50s and took a survey, everybody would know the gospel. I don't mean they believed it or they served it, but they knew it because they had been taught it in schools and in homes and in other places. In the 70s, when I was a young person, we moved from a Christian culture to what I call the post-Christian culture. We moved past it. There were still many that knew it, but it was post-Christian. Hear me, today we are not in a post-Christian culture. We are in an anti-Christian culture. We're in a culture that is the spirit of the Antichrist. Up and down I-10, there is no greater trafficking highway in America than I-10 where little girls are sold into prostitution. That is godlessness. This morning, News Journal said we have five deaths a day from fentanyl. 
That is godlessness. That's why Drayton and MVO be overrun with drugs and alcohol everywhere. This week at the French embassy, two men, American men dressed like women, represented our nation at the French embassy. My God, what have we done? We have gone to the spirit of Antichrist. That's where we are. And we need the Word of God from the man of God to the people of God to the ears of God so that the people can be the people of God. It's not always popular. He never said it was going to be popular. What you've got to do is speak truth. But now listen to me. You've got to speak truth in compassion. So when that man comes walking up to you in a dress, you, you got to be truthful but kind. So how do you do that? You've got to be full of Jesus to do that. That's how Jesus did it. And the pulpits of this land, liberalism, has ripped the pages out of the Word of God. We need a man to stand and say, thus saith the Lord. We need the Word of God to be preached. And these men would not come down. And, and they were preaching with power. But now listen, don't miss this. Many people preach this text and they stop right there. But look. They said, we will not come serve tables because we must give ourselves to preaching and prayer. That's where the power is. Anybody can preach. But not anybody can preach with power. You must give yourself to prayer. This morning I was in my office. Four deacons come, lay hands on me and pray for the power of God to come. Amen. If you've been here very long, you know what I do every time before I walk out the door to come over here to this place and preach. I stand in my office and I always do three things. I've told this to you over and over and over. I stand there with my hands lifted up. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise his name. Glory to God. I praise him for everything that he's done. I did it over here in the green room just before coming out of here a while ago. Praise his name. I move my hands right here to the side as if I'm being crucified and say, Lord, I want to be dead to Ted. Let me die to myself. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. And then I move my hands right here and I say, oh God, I pray pray you would fill me with the Holy Ghost. I pray for the fullness and the power of your spirit to be in me, through me, so that people can hear. Because, Lord, I can talk, but I, I don't need to hit their ears. I have some of you, sometimes you come to me and say, oh, preacher, you, you really stomped on my toes today. And my response is always the same. I ain't aiming at your toes. I'm hunting your heart. I know it's just a southern way of saying things that we, you know, we stepped on my toes and that's good. But, but I don't want you just to feel pain. I want you to know change when you walk out of this place with the power of holy God. And, and these men gave themselves to prayer and preaching. A healthy congregation will allow the people in charge of the teaching to have time to preach and pray. Doesn't mean we don't serve. And I called people yesterday. I I did this funeral yesterday. I call one of our members. I go make visits like many of you do. But I have to practice. I'm not, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. I haven't got the biggest brain power in here. I mean, I, I got to read. I have to study. I have to pray. I, I read what other people say about these texts. I borrow their stuff. Sometimes I just pure de-steal it. <laughs> I don't say it just like they do. I trailerize it and put it into my... But you, you learn from one another. 
and to bring the text alive by the Spirit of the living God. A healthy congregation will prioritize prayer and preaching. But thirdly, a healthy congregation impacts the community. Always impacts the community. Notice it in verse number 7. The word of God kept on spreading. And the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. Three things happened there. The word spread. That word spread is used in Acts 12, 24 as the word grew. It's the word oxano. Our college kids know that word because it's been introduced to them with an oxano conference that we had here last year. It's going to Hillcrest this, next, this coming fall that we do that oxano where, where we grew in the Lord. The word was spreading and spreading and spreading. I call this the kudzu factor of the New Testament church. You couldn't stop it. It's just growing and going. Here it goes, here it goes, here it goes. And it's growing everywhere. A healthy church impacts its community, not just meeting in this building, but being in the highways and hedges where the people are. Sean's working on some things now that have really come his way as he's prayed. and uh, We're going to be rolling out to you this fall some opportunities to do some things we've never had opportunity to do before to reach our region with the gospel. Really excited about these opportunities. He'll set those in front of us in days to come. Uh, downtown, uh, out in the country, a thousand different places. I'm just telling you, God is at work. The word spreads. A healthy congregation impacts the community. And the word spreads. Secondly, the disciples are increasing in number. Uh, there are people coming and coming and coming and coming. I get so tired of people saying, ah, you preach, all you're interested in is in numbers. Well, there's a whole book in the Bible named that. <laughs> Nothing wrong with numbers. It can't be your God. I bet you got a checkbook and it's got numbers in it. I bet they mean something to you. Especially if they've got a little negative sign out beside them. Everybody keeps up with numbers in different ways. We don't worship numbers here, but I am always glad when we see more and more numbers of people coming. Amen. Numbers does not mean you have a healthy congregation. But it does speak that God is up to something of drawing people if there's real truth being taught. The word spreads, the disciples increase, and then number three, I want you to notice this, hallelujah, testimonies were abundant. Testimonies were, look at it. It says in verse 7, and a great many of the priests, Jewish priests, were becoming obedient to the faith. How in the world did that happen? They looked around. The church is growing. All these people have been going down to the temple, looked up over there, and they said, Rabbi Joseph, why now are your rabbis here? He came to congregation today on Sunday. What do you mean? Well, look where he is. See him over there? So, I, who's that? He's what? That's his buddy Zacharias. He's with him. Two priests? That congregation? Yep. How'd that happen? Hear the word of the Lord. In Matthew 27, 
verse 50. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice, yielded up his spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook, and the rocks split. And the tombs were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. You want to know who was in that temple when that happened? The priest. Can you imagine? He's in there with his incense. What? And the veil to the temple. Torn from not the bottom to the top. From heaven to earth. God opened up the holy place so that all could come in. Earth shook and rocks split. And the dead got up. And that poor old priest walked out of temple saying, my Lord, my God, there's never been a Saturday like this. He began to recount the Old Testament. Reading Isaiah 53, the book of Zechariah. He began to look at the prophecies in the Psalms. One of those priests said, that was the Messiah. We killed him. But we couldn't keep him dead. He got up. And when he got up, the veil came down. My Lord, my God. And he snuck over to the house of one of his buddies, like preachers do. I, I got to tell you, I, I believe this. What? I, I, I believe he's it. And he snuck off the congregation. And Luke wrote it in the book that many of the priests came to faith in Jesus. There are people in our town that I sometimes pray for, and you know, they're they're big fish. And I think, boy, if that old boy got saved, now that'd really make a splash across here. But you know who God chooses to make a big splash? First Corinthians says, I have chosen the weak and the base things to confound the wise. <laughs> He'd take a little fish and make a big fish out of him. And his splash is a testimony to the glory of God. Maybe you're that little fish today. I've been thinking, Jesus, man, I don't, but you say yes today. I know he died for me. Mm. He died for me. Today, I, I believe in Jesus. If you're that person, I want you to come tell me about it. If you're here today and you've been saved and baptized and need to join this church, I want you to come give me your hand, God, your heart. 
In a moment, we're going to sing. I could preach all day on this text. I, I was preaching yesterday. There was a lot of my African-American buddies here, pastors in town. I had one of them ask me. He said, I wrote, I had five points in the sermon. He wrote them down. He said, can I preach that? I said, yes, sir. If my bullet fits your gun, pull the trigger. <laughs> Say, go on, help yourself. I said, now, I've never stolen a sermon from anybody, but I'm telling you, if you won't take mine, that, that'd be all right. <laughs> he said to me, Pastor, we had a funeral kind of like this a while back, and one of the brothers got up, and he was supposed to pray, but somebody told him he was supposed to preach, and he got mixed up. He started preaching rather than praying. I said, what do you do with that? He said, I walked up to him when he'd been going about six, eight minutes, something like that. And I just walked right up to him while he's at the pulpit. And he said, I whispered in his ear, the time of your oration has ended. Well, I could preach all day on this, but I just sensed that the time of my oration has ended. I think I'm done with this text. I think I've squeezed all the holy juice out of that I can get today. But it's time for somebody to take a drink. It's one thing to give truth, it's another thing for you to receive it. So God's going to call you to come today, be saved, come join this church. So who are you today? Who's supposed to join this church today? Just raise your hand, wave at me. Who's supposed to do that? Anybody in here? I got one, two in the back. Anybody else? Anybody else? Over here, see you. Anybody up top? After those lights get bright. Yeah. Anybody else? Need to come? Okay. But we're going to sing just for you. Maybe you're here today and you've never been saved. Or you say, well, I won't raise my hand. Or maybe this is the blind preacher didn't see me. Then you step out and you come. You just come right here. Say, I want to join this family today. But friend, the most important thing you can do is trust Jesus today. Understand he died for you. Say, Pastor, you don't know what I've done. You don't know how big Jesus is. He'd take all your sin. Did you hear that song we were singing? Bring your addictions, bring your failures and lay them down at the foot of the cross. Amen. Come today. And I'm telling you, he'll forgive you. He'll love you. We'll receive you and make you a part of what we believe is continuing to be a healthy congregation. Perfect goodness? No. We got to get rid of this preacher to have a perfect church. Healthy? Yeah. God's growing us. Giving us muscle. And you are a part of that. God's looking for servants today. You come be a part of this family. We're on our feet all over this room. John's singing our hymn of appeal. A whole family, a couple. You, you come unto the Lord. Somebody answer that phone.